Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. It's an honor and a privilege to, um, uh, uh, to be here again. And, and Phil, thank you so much for the, um, the opportunity. Um, uh, both Aoife and I just love traveling together. We love going and connecting into to other churches and just seeing what God is doing around the, the nation. It encourages us, it blesses us, and hopefully what I've got to share with you, for you and to you tonight will, will be a blessing to you as well, certainly. I, I'm blessed by um, creating the message and blessed by sharing it, and I hope that you will receive it in, 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 in a great way as well. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the Father's heart, if that's okay. It's Father's Day, and um, it's, a, it's an obvious topic, but I'm going to try and intertwine my story into the Father's heart as well. I had a very unhealthy relationship with God for a a, a significant number of years. I also had a very uh, dysfunctional, broken relationship with my own father, um, who is transgender. And if you're unfamiliar with that uh, that sentence, what that basically means is that my dad wanted to be my ma, so he went and had an operation, and now he looks like my ma. And so that's kind of the, the, the whole thing about it. And so um, you can imagine, you can understand, growing up in that type of environment, growing up with that type of dysfunction, um, an understanding of a healthy perspective and a healthy relationship of what a parent-child relationship should look like was very difficult. And in addition to that as well, then, when you hear people talk about the Father heart of God and God the Father, when you have this really unhealthy perception of what a father is, it can be very discouraging to think as Father God as as Father. And so I grew up having this really um, unhealthy relationship with God. I want to say this, there's never been a day in my life where I haven't believed in God. Never has there been a day in my life where I haven't believed in God. The issue for me was always, if God is so holy, and God is so perfect, and God is so righteous, why would he want to have anything to do with somebody as broken as me? I'm a former homeless drug addict, prostitute, criminal, um, in trouble with paramilitaries, was asked to leave the area that I grew up in, the area that my family inhabited, and had to leave the country for um, fear of being shot. And, um, and so you can imagine the, the level of dysfunction that was in my life. You can imagine the level of dysfunction that was in my world. And the funny thing about it is, is that I wasn't always destined, if you like, for dysfunction. And I wasn't always destined, if you like, for, for brokenness. And when God created me, when God designed me, when he put stuff in me, he designed me with purpose. He designed me with giftings. He designed me with a destiny. He designed me to change the world. He designed me to be a significant person on this planet. But because of all of the relationships that I had, all of the experiences that I had, the world that I had, and my unhealthy relationship and understanding of what a father-child relationship should look like, I couldn't see it. And so I went from being a grade-A student, an international athlete at junior level. I was, um, in the best possible sense, what my mom would say, a mother-in-law's dream come true. And, And then I just found cocaine and everything else changed. 
Because what cocaine did for me was gave me the ability to be the person that I thought I wanted to be and could be. I got a sense of confidence, a sense of purpose, a sense of self-esteem. It made me fit in in places that I couldn't fit in before. And as a result of that, I just went on this journey, this path where I believed that the only option for me was death. And so I attempted suicide on a number of occasions. And fortunately, I was unsuccessful, and um, I am here to tell the, the transformational story of what can happen when we reestablish a healthy relationship with the Father God. What I lived with was an orphaned spirit. I lived with an orphaned spirit here on earth because I didn't have a great relationship with my family, but I lived with a divine orphaned spirit because I didn't have a connection that was healthy with the Father. I heard a pastor recently say that most of the issues that we face in life, most of the issues that we lack the ability to overcome in life, most of the circumstances that we lack the ability to conquer are actually birthed out of an orphaned spirit, where we don't actually see ourselves as children of God. And when we don't see ourselves as children of God, what we actually do is begin to live without that sense of presence of him in our lives, that sense of purpose for what he has for our lives, and we live lost, broken, and dysfunctional. And so what I want to do, if that's okay, is I want to look at a couple of things that I think will help us understand what God's desire is from us and his desire for us. And if we want to kind of tap into what we think or what we feel or what we believe God has for us, then the best thing to do is go back to the original design. And the original design is the story of the garden. And so many of you will be familiar with the, the story of the garden, and I'm not going to uh, debate how many hours were in a day or any of those things. We're just going to say that God created the heavens and the earth, and he did it over a six-day period, and on the seventh day, he, he rested. And we're going to pick up the story where we see that God, after he had created, invited man into a relationship with him. And so I'm going to read to you from Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to go from verse 4 right through to probably somewhere around verse 18, 19. And so if you have a Bible with you, if you want to follow me, you can. I'm in the um, NLT version tonight. Um, or if not, just sit down. Chill out, relax, open your ears, open your hearts, and um, allow God's word to speak into your world. So it says this, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust on the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. That's why we sing the song that we sang earlier. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden 
were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from the Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters with rivers with weird names. We'll go on to verse 13 so that I don't embarrass myself. The name of the second river is the Gihon, in which there the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. And then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So the Lord said, it is, good for, it is not good for man to be alone, unless you're an introvert like me. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. And so what we see here is God's design for relationship with his children. What we see is God desires presence with his children. He desires to be in our presence, and he desires us to be in his presence. What we see is God desires partnership with his children. What we see is God desires to provide for his children, and what we see is God desires purpose for his children. And so the first thing we're going to look at is presence. And I want to say this to you. It was never God's design, and it was never God's plan to just be a weekend parent in your life. You see, what we think is that when we come to church on a Sunday, when we're in the presence of God, and it's so great, and it's so wonderful, and it's so fantastic, that that's our spiritual refill and our recharge for the week. But it was never God's plan, and it was never God's desire for him to see you at the weekend. He never desired separation. He never desired time with you that was allocated by you. His desire was that you would be with him all of the time and that he would be with you all of the time. In fact, I will go as far as saying this. God's deepest desire is that you would know him as intimately as he knows you and love him as deeply as he loves you on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and all over again. But this horrible thing happened to the universe. This horrible thing happened to the world where a moment of disobedience for humanity caused separation, which meant that the presence of God had to be pulled back. The presence of God had to be removed because God could not tolerate sin. And because of that, there was a separation that was created, and God couldn't hang out with his kids anymore. During my walk with God and during my um, relationship with my wife now, before Aoife was born, Jenny and I went through a period of mass dysfunction. And we went through a period of mass dysfunction where we actually separated. Jenny had had an affair with my best friend. She got pregnant with Aoife, and I just couldn't tolerate it. But we already had two children at that stage who are 19 years old, Shan and Ushin. They are incredible. They've both been up here. They're twins, and they're, and they're just amazing but what happened was this, is that I had to share the responsibility of hanging out with my children whenever it suited somebody else because of the choices that somebody else made. And I got to see my kids 
every four days for four days, and I hated it. I hated every moment of it because I was separated from my loved ones. And what it reminds me of is this heart of God, this desire of God to be in the presence of his children and how his heart broke. How his heart was broken and how his heart still breaks for those that are in separation from him because his deepest desire is to be with his children in their presence. This is what the garden teaches us. This is what the garden shows us, that God's deepest desire was that we would hold hands with him, that we would play with him, that we would enjoy him, and that he would enjoy us. And for many of us this, morning, or this evening, for many of us in the church, we have this mindset where we only need to say hi to God for a half an hour during the week. And we think that's enough. But it was never God's plan and it was never God's desire to just have us for 30 minutes during a worship experience. What he desired was a worshipful lifestyle from us where we would be ultimately connected to him, rejoicing with him as he rejoices over us, singing his praises and his goodness and giving thanks for all that he has done. You see, for God so loved the world that anyone who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we're told that he demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrated his broken heart for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still broken, while we were still covered in our mess, while we were still broken and a mess, he still loved us and he sent a son to die on a cross to bear the weight of our sin. Why? So that he could be restored in relationship with us. Because it's his deepest desire. His deepest desire is that we would be in his presence. I'm sure for some of us who were worshiping this morning in our services, and for some of us who were worshiping this evening in our service, there were moments when we were forgotten about everything else and our eyes were fixed on God. Do you know that's what... be impacted by external circumstances, but that you would be impacted by an eternal perspective that allows you to say, my daddy is the king of kings. My daddy is the Lord of lords. My daddy is the great I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. And I get to sit on his knee because he's my Abba Father. I wonder how many of you today actually approach God with that level of intimacy. He's my da. Imagine how we get to go. Hey, da. Hey, daddy. I love you, daddy. You're amazing, daddy. Daddy, thank you for everything that you have provided for me. Daddy, thank you that you made a way for us to do life together. And thank you, daddy, that my eternal destiny is secure in you because I have a hope in you. I have a hope in my salvation. I have a hope in Jesus Christ because he paid the price for me to come and sit on your knee. Abba, Father. Jesus taught us how to pray. He taught us how to approach the Father like little children, and he said, Abba, Father. If we were to translate that and to pour it down in 2019, it would be da, da. That was the colloquial phrase at the time, da, da. 
And yes, God is holy, and yes, God is righteous, and God is majestic, and God is wonderful, but God is also daddy. And yes, God is to be feared, but he also is to not be feared because he's daddy. And when we come to that level of intimacy, when we come to that level of understanding, and when we come to that level of recognition, we can approach his throne of grace with confidence and say, my daddy is epic, awesome, amazing, wonderful, majestic, and so good. So good, in fact, that the boundaries have fallen for us in heavenly places. Because God is good. God is good. And his deepest desire is that we would know him as intimately as he knows us and love him as intimately as he loves us us. I'm not going to get through all of my points tonight, so I'm just going to rush through and we'll stop when the time is up. But the second thing that we see is that not only does God desire to be in our presence and desire us to have his presence, but he also desires us to work in partnership with him. You look at the story, he gives Adam the opportunity to name the stuff because he wanted partnership. He wanted us to take ownership. He wanted us to have responsibility. He didn't want us to work in isolation. He wanted us to maintain a relationship with him that allows us to come alongside him so that we can work with him and for him and allow him to work in us, through us, and for us as well. And Jesus demonstrated it so well. Jesus said he encouraged encouraged his listeners when he was talking to them when he talked about a rhythm of grace. And his rhythm of grace with this, he said, walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. And so what he was doing was, when he said, walk with me, he was inviting his listeners into your relationship. And then when he was saying, work with me, he was inviting them into a partnership. And then when he said, watch how I do it, what he was actually inviting them to was a lifestyle of revelation. And this is the beautiful thing about the garden, what Adam and Eve were being welcomed into, and what we are welcomed into today in 2019 is a lifestyle of revelation as we partner with God. You see, when you partner with God, you get to see God do the stuff. But when you work on your own and when you work in isolation, you can only do so much. And what God wants us to do is have supernatural ability and to do supernatural activity where he works in us and through us and for us so that we can be more, so that we can do more, so that we can see more, so that we can reach more, so that we can have more. He desires relationship. He desires presence. He desires partnership. You see, in a healthy relationship, In a healthy parent-child relationship, kids will always want to partner with their parents. I've got some incredible kids, as you can see in the front row, and some of the guys have been up before, and um, I love the fact that they want to be engaged in what I'm doing. I love the fact that they want to follow me around and do the stuff that I'm involved in and partner with me in kingdom activity. The reality of it is that it's a spiritual principle. Luke chapter 2 verse 49 says, Jesus' words, I must be about my father's business. It's so significant to me, it's so important to me that I've got it tattooed across my chest. May I never forget my purpose. I must be about my father's 
business. And the beautiful thing is this, is if I am going to be about my father's business, I must work in partnership with my father. It's the family business. We gotta be in partnership. If I'm not in partnership, it's my business and it's not his business. And if we want to produce good fruit in the church, if we want to be the men of God, the women of God, called to do the things of God in the name of God, for the glory of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, then we've got to work in partnership with the Father as he pours his Spirit into us. You see, Jesus said, if you want to produce good fruit, you've got to stay connected to the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches, he works through us, and the better the connection, the better the fruit. You want to have big grapes, then you've got to be in the presence of God and you've got to work in partnership with the Father. We were not designed to be on our own. We were designed for relationship. We were designed to have relationship and we were designed to invite people into relationship and we do that through partnership with the Father. Let me rush on real quick. The fourth thing we see in this story is God's provision. I think in the Western world, in particularly in, in, in our church culture in, in Northern Ireland, we have become so focused on the materialistic gains that we think are available to us in relationship with the Father that we've lost sight of the significance and the importance of what God has done and what God gives us. We become so preoccupied with our bank balances, and I'm not saying that God doesn't supply. I have seen supernatural miraculous pound signs arrive in my bank account when I haven't had money. But I don't think that that's the intention of God's desire when we think about provision. I think what we need to remember is that what God has provided is salvation to everyone. He has provided salvation to everyone as a gift. It's his provision. And the other thing is this, is that he has also given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. He has provided us with an eternal unstoppable, irresistible, immovable force that is His Holy Spirit that allows us to be the men and women of God that He planned for us to be in advance when He was putting purpose into us, when He redeemed us, when He called us to be who He wanted us to be, when He saved us, He gave us this incredible gift. It's the mark and the seal of the Holy Spirit. And so when God looks at you and he sees the Son and he sees the mark of the Holy Spirit, he knows that you, he, there was a price paid for you that he provided for you. And it's this beautiful thing of provision and we need to get away from thinking that God doesn't love me because I don't have money in my bank account. And God doesn't love me because I didn't get the healing that I thought I deserved. Or God doesn't love me because I haven't been allowed on the stage to worship like the greatest worship leader in the world, or God doesn't love me because he hasn't let me preach yet. In fact, God and Pastor Phil must hate me because I haven't been given a microphone yet. It's not what his provision is about. His provision is about you stepping into stuff. His provision is about you recognizing the price that was paid for you and what he has given you so that you can make a difference in your community. It's great that we're gifted for the church, and it's great that we get to use our gifts in the church, but our greatest impact is out there. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to live in us, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, as we allow the Holy Spirit to move through us, actually, we get to be significant members of society. 
bringing kingdom perspectives to relationships. And the fourth thing is this. So we've had presence, partnership, provision, and finally, purpose. You see, God created an environment that allowed Adam to thrive. God created an environment that allowed Adam to step into stuff. God created an environment that allowed Adam to live on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And what we've got to remember is that for each of us in this room right now, the same potential that Adam had exists in each and every one of us. In fact, one of the promises that God makes to the church is that we will have purpose. When he was bringing Israel out of exile, he said that he would save them. He said that he would teach them to live free. He then said that they would live on purpose and then that they would live a life of worship. And what we've got to realize and what we've got to recognize is that when God saved us, he saved us for a purpose. And as we begin to live saved, then we we can begin to have greater purpose. I love that when you come in and you look at the, um, the walls, you can see that purpose is important in this church because you need to understand that you were not saved just for the crack. You also need to understand that you were not born just for the crack and you were not made just for the crack, that God has a purpose in you that he wants to release through you for the people that don't exist in this room right now. And what we've got to do is we've got to allow God to allow us to begin to live free. And as we begin to live free and as we change our mindsets from a slave mentality into children of God and as we live free, we begin to live on purpose. And as we begin to live on purpose, we begin to have a significant impact on the world. I love the fact that God took this broken, dysfunctional, horrendous human being from the streets of Dublin, suicidal, mugging people, sleeping with people for money, causing havoc in every sphere of influence that I had, hurting people left, right, and center, and he redeemed me after he saved me. And what he did in his redemption after he saved me was he redeemed me back to the purpose in which I was made in the first place, which was to be a person of influence. And I don't know what it's like for you tonight, and I don't know where you're at tonight, and I don't know what's going on in your world tonight, but you need to hear this. You were made for purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were made for purpose. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you were made for purpose. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe this is the first time that you've ever been in a church. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a while, and maybe you've been thinking, these guys aren't that weird, these guys aren't that crazy. I know like Pastor Phil, like he wears ripped jeans, and he's a bit old for that, but that's okay, we can forgive him. He's pretty cool, he's nice, we like him. And most of the people around here are nice and cool and wonderful as well, and you can tease me later for my roll-ups if you want, that's cool. Because um, I'm, I'm trying way too hard, way too hard to be cool as a 43-year-old man. But the reality of it is, is that the church is a safe place. And the church is a safe place for you to re-identify yourself as a child of God. The church is a space of grace that will allow you to stumble and fall and crawl until you can walk and run. But if we want to get back to the original design, if we want to get back to the original design, if we want to begin to be people of purpose, we need to get back to a relationship with Jesus 
Christ. John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe this is the first time you've ever been challenged to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here tonight, and you're thinking, I have never actually thought about my relationship with a heavenly father, and I've never actually thought about God as a heavenly father. I want to tell you tonight that God's deepest desire is that you would recognize him as your father and then become his child. And the pathway to doing that is a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ where you recognize his death on the cross, his resurrection from the tomb, and what is available to you as a result of that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we'll see you next time on the Ariat Church podcast. <laughs>